Shall Be Done Old Grad Podcast, where we feature unscripted interviews with graduates of the United States Military Academy Class of 1991. The Duty Shall Be Done Old Grad Podcast with your host, Jamie Schleck, starts now. Hello, classmates. Uh, this is Jamie Schleck, and welcome to our second episode of the Old Grad Podcast, where we are going to be talking tonight to Colonel Andrew Hall, and we're going to give him a call, right, uh, just a second. So really looking forward to uh, getting a chance to speak to my uh, compadre. We went through a couple classes together uh, back at uh, West Point, and we'll get the chance to talk a little bit about that as well. And... Uh, we just had some computer glitches, so uh, what more appropriate person to have on the line than uh, the director of the Army Cyber Institute, because maybe we were hacked by the Russians. Uh, who knows why we were, why we were delayed. So uh, is, is Andy, is Andy on, the, on the line there? Andy, are you there? I, I am. Can you hear me? Awesome. I can hear you. Can you hear me? Okay, great. I got you great. Cool. Cool. So, it, by the way, is is it Andy or Andrew? I th- I always knew you as Andy, but it, like, have you become more professional now as like Andrew Hall, or w- w- what's going on with that? No, I still go by Andy. Yeah, that's what I thought. Okay, on Facebook it says Andrew o. Hall, so I just want to c- confirm. And now that you're like a big O uh, six guy, I want to make sure that I had that right. So, so Andy Hall. Well, if you try, oh, go ahead. Yeah, if you try to find, if you try to find me, there's tons of Andys. Oh, but, okay. Uh, there's, but Andrew Hall is more uh, like unique, so I, I do the I put that on the, the social media so people can actually find me. But I still go by Andy. That's cool. You know, there's like three Jamie Schlecks on Facebook. I saw that's like crazy. Like that's not a very common name, but there's three of us, I guess. And so, unless I got like an impersonator or something, but um, so Colonel Andy Hall uh, is from Cadet Company I one. And his academic field of major was computer science. Uh, he branched infantry uh, upon graduation. And uh, we're delighted to have you, Andy, on the second episode of the Old Grad Podcast. Um, did you get a chance by ch- uh, to, to listen to the first one with uh, John Keenan? Yeah, I, I, I saw it, but I, did, I didn't get the chance to listen to it when it was live. Okay. Well, we a lot of people liked it. We had a lot of positive feedback. A lot of people commented that it was very fun to listen to uh, to 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 John and I talk. And um, I listened to it a couple times. And you know, I just find you hate the sound of your own voice. Like people were very complimentary. They really liked the concept. But I personally was like kind of squeamish or kind of winced at a few things. I I feel like I used the word dude way too often um and you know if you if you really want to get honest feedback the person that you could that you should go to i find the the people that i go to is my wife and my kids they're the ones who give me uh, honest feedback yeah so they listen to it and they made fun of me unmercifully uh they totally they totally let me have it they said oh dude dude they kept on kept on dude and cool and awesome and and I also I also use the f word a couple times. So I'm going to try to refrain from cursing on this thing if I can. Try to be more professional. But uh, I apologize. Not all of our classmates are dudes. Uh, we have um, so and and I use the I I stumble too much. I said um too much. So I'm going to really I try to improve upon these podcasts and improve upon my delivery. So there's nothing like having your kids make fun of you. My 15 year old Luke, yeah, he's. 
he does the best impression of me i think ever so he just continues to make fun of me unmercifully he always he always does an impression of me like whenever i hook up with other west point grads at the army navy game or something he like just he mocks me unmercifully so uh it's always good to get some good feedback so i'm going to really try to refrain from using the word dude from overuse of the word cool and awesome, and I'm going to try not to curse on this whole podcast if I can manage to do that. So um, so anyway, so Andy, you and I got a chance to talk a little bit last week and to kind of pre- pre-think about some of the things we're going to talk about today. So, uh, so, so it was good to talk to you last week and to, and to get a chance to catch up some more. Um, I was actually kind of in the, in the zone of thinking a lot about West Point because I was spending a week at a high adventure boy scout camp with my son and uh so i called you from summit uh, bechtel summit reserve which is in west virginia we're having a good time and it reminds me a lot of buckner being in scouts being out being out in the field or in the woods and getting a chance to do some of those outward bound type things and whenever i was in the army i used to think about scouts and now that i'm doing scouts i think about the army and we were repelling, and have you? By the way, have you repelled recently, Andy? Have you have you done and like happened to have done repelling recently? So actually, all the repelling I've done recently has been in the scouts. Oh, really? But, so, but we'll yeah we we'll do repelling um, pretty much every year. Climbing and repelling is a part of the scouts. But uh, in the cyber field, I haven't had a chance to get a whole lot of repelling in lately. Well, I guess not. But I got to go rappelling with my son Luke and so I of course said oh I've done this before I'm, I'm like such an expert at it I went up at the top of a, about a 40 foot uh, cliff to rappel off of it and I was petrified uh, managed to managed to only get made fun of Luke by Luke a few times, but uh, you know, so but I eventually went down, and and uh, once you kind of get the hang of it, like it's like a, it's like riding a bike, I guess you know, I just kind of like go right back down and doing it. But it was a lot of fun. So you're a scout, you're a scout master as well, or scout leader? Yes, yeah, I play a lot with scouts with my son. And when you are a young infantryman, you get to spend a lot of time out in the woods. When you become older, you have to do scouts. So you get the chance to camp and stay out in the in the woods. And your son, I, your son, been, yeah. Well, I'm sorry, but your son's your son is in high school still, right? Your son is a scout. That's right. Yeah, my son's a life scout. He's a rising senior at Georgetown Prep, and he's actually spending the summer out on the Hood Canal in Washington State at Camp Parsons, working on their aquatic staff. Very cool. How's that uh, for him being away from being away for, for the summer, uh, working in a camp like that? That must that's a pretty. I mean, it's it's a pretty uh, significant thing for somebody who's you know senior in high school. I think to be away from for for the summer like that. Uh, it's pretty awesome for him. I got to start the summer with him, which was a lot of fun. And then the, the biggest thing now for uh, Mary Lou and I is that he just never calls home. He's completely happy. They run crazy the whole week spending time teaching motorboating and next thing you know the week's over the scouts leave new scouts come but it's great for me i grew up in seattle and so for him to get a chance to experience a little bit of the pacific northwest and be out at camp parsons is invaluable for me it's a camp that's been there for this is the hundredth summer so 1919 was their their first summer that's cool amazing were you a scout growing up I was. Yeah, I was the Eagle Scout, grew up in Chief Seattle Council, and was actually a 
counselor at the same camp at Camp Parsons. I was a uh, aquatic staff member. Got to work on the beach back in the summer of '85. Hmm. Very cool. I oh, there's there's a c word. Cool. I got to stop saying that. But that's a uh, that's great. Uh, you know, I also grew up in Scouts. I, Scouts was a very big influence on me. And unfortunately, I am not an Eagle Scout. It's probably one of my biggest regrets in life. That and getting out of the Army as soon as I did are probably my two biggest regrets, which is, I guess, on balance, not too big of a thing to have a regret. There are other things you could be regretting in your life. But um, for me, the story was my Scout troop kind of disbanded when I was a senior in high school. So I was just kind of left alone to finish up my Eagle Scout requirement. And at that point... I was only, the only reason why I wanted to get my Eagle Scout was because I thought maybe it would help me get into West Point. So at that point, short-sighted teenager, you think you'd know everything in the world. Uh, So I basically did not finish my Eagle Scout, but I did everything. I finished every merit badge. I did an Eagle Scout project. I did everything. And then December 3rd, 1986, I got an offer letter from West Point one month before my 18th birthday and you know what I did with all that stuff? I threw it in the garbage. You believe that? That's pathetic. I know. There's no bigger loser than me um, for that stuff. Well, especially if you still had all the paperwork, we could turn it in now. I don't know. Maybe, yeah. Maybe somebody, <laughs> from, maybe somebody from the Scout Council is listening to this. But, you know, I deserve to not get it for being so damn close and not getting it. And I am the go-to guy. Whenever we have somebody that's, like, on the fence about to get their Eagle Scout and they don't want to finish it, I am the guy that gives that talk to them, like this washed-up old dude who's like, you know, I wish I had done it. If only I had done it, you know, you, I'd, be, I'd be so much better of a person. So my older son, John, got his Eagle Scout, and I'm super proud of him. I mean, I, that, was, that was an amazing event when he got his Eagle Scout, and my son Luke is working on it. My son Luke is probably going to get it before John got it. So, so that's, that's good. But Scouts, Scouts is awesome. I, I really think it's, it's amazing. And, you know, Scouting much like West Point, we're going to talk a little bit about this, has also evolved over time. You know, I mean, scouting now is allowing uh, young women to also participate and get merit badges. Uh, they've lifted the ban on uh, people be- that, are, that are gay. Um, so those are all good things, I think. And maybe they're paralleling some of the advances in the military as well. So that's interesting, I think, the, the parallels. But I love scouts. So, Well, I got a, I got a chance to take my daughter's venture crew to Philmont. And over the course of the, the trek, we walked almost uh, 100 miles. And I remember a couple of points when it was just raining and she was talking to me and there's just rain dripping off the bill of her cat. And she said, you know, I'm, I'm not having a whole lot of fun right now. And uh, I was thinking, that's okay. That's part of the learning event. Because I remember being back at Ranger School a couple of days talking with an RI when you just had rain dripping off the, the front of your cat. But I had two from that crew that went to West Point. My daughter went to West Point, and then another one of the young ladies did. And her family asked me if, if she was going to be okay at West Point. And I said, she's going to be fine. She's spent 11 days in the woods with us. She's academically fit. She's going to enjoy being at West Point. And uh, that's one of the great things about scouting is it does prepare our young people for adventures like what we offer at West Point. Where was that trek that you were that you were going on? I, uh, was that Philmont? Yeah, that was out at Philmont. So your daughter went through Philmont. Yeah, my daughter. Uh, wow. We got a chance to go through Philmont, 
and my I took my daughter on a trek, and I took my son on a trek as well. I went on a my, trek. Yeah, that that's that's intense. I mean, there, there was there was several. So, w- did you have mixed like boys and girls going going on the trek at the same time? We did. It was a venture crew, so it's a high school age group, and it's also co-ed. And so we had a co-ed leadership, and we had actually had two crews. So we had uh, boys and girls on both crews, and and uh, male and female leadership on both crews. Wow. Yeah, I, I went through Philmont five years ago with my son. We're supposed to be in Philmont, actually. We're supposed to have gone last week to Philmont, but because they have those fires over there, we didn't. We didn't go. So we, that's why we went to Summit instead. And Summit, have have you been to Summit down in West Virginia? Have you got, gone to that place? I haven't had a chance yet. I, yeah. I'd like to, but I haven't yet. It's very similar to Philmont in terms of the programming. You get to go out and do like mountain biking and all those cool things, but you just are out of a base camp. So you've got bathrooms and you've got a mess hall, which is the primary difference between the two. But you still are still hiking just as much from program to program. You just at the end of the day, you're coming back into the same tent. So it was a little bit more, uh, I guess. Um, of a gentleman's course that way, uh, then, you know, or a gentle ladies course compared to Philmont where you're basically, you know, 11 days without a shower and having to cook your own food and, and figure out what you're going to do it, how you're going to go to the bathroom out there. All things that we got to do in the army, I guess as well. Yeah, that's right. That's right. <laughs> oh man. Um, but if you talk about Buckner, it seems like the new Buckner, they took everything that was all the fun and just took it out and distilled it into pure field time. So whereas we spent all the time hanging out on Lake Popolopin, playing volleyball and barbecuing and all the fun that was at, they took all of that out of Camp Buckner. And they now it's just a, a field experience, and they have two field experiences. So there's one field experience that is for the yearlings, and then they have another one that's for the firsties. And so you actually have to do Buckner twice now, once as a yearling and once as a firstie. So all the firsties do it a second time? That's what the the firstie experience is like an infantry week. And so it's uh, a couple weeks long, and it essentially is modeled after the Derby phase of Benning. And they just go out there and run patrols and, and have a extended infantry week experience. And they do that right before. The summer before graduation, a few people will end up doing it as cows, but most do it as firsties. And your daughter Catherine, who's a rising firstie, who is a firstie, uh, she she must have just gotten done doing that, huh? So actually, she didn't get a chance to because she blew her knee out uh, skiing. She's Ooh. a racer, okay. So yeah, so that was kind of a, a bummer deal. It makes it uh, a little tight for her next summer. We'll see what happens, but she. So this summer she was at Fort Hood for CTLT, and she did a experience with the Corps of Engineers, actually two, uh, two engineering adventures. One was an academic enrichment that dealt with construction engineering, and the other one was on looking at how the Corps of Engineers does conservation in the Everglades. So how is it now? I, I, I want to come back to this because I, I have a, a gazillion questions about what it must be like to be having your daughter go through West Point. That's got to be a pretty daunting experience. But just to go back to clarify or to, to remind people, um, not only are you the father of a female cadet, 
you are the husband of a former female cadet, right? That's right. Now, my wife was class of 92, and she was a, a prepster. She was out in Hawaii and then went from Hawaii to the prep school. And uh, now she's a, a colonel, works at the Defense Intelligence Agency. So we we still have three military in the family with me and Mary Lou and then my daughter, Catherine. So she's down at DIA down in D.C., and you are up at West Point running the Army Cyber Institute. Yeah, so we do a little bit of, of back and forth. My job brings me to the Pentagon and to the other agencies that are in the D.C. area, so I end up staying at my house in Arlington when I do that. But we do spend a lot of time on the road and, and come up to West Point for all the football games and that kind of thing. And that's why your son's down at Georgetown Prep, because he, go, he goes to school down in the D.C. area. Yeah, that's right. And he's actually a boarding student, because Georgetown Prep has a, a boarding program. And he chose to do that because he didn't know exactly what we were going to be doing as far as where we would be living. And it made a good choice. It turns out that we have, that my wife's been here, but when he started school, she was at Carnegie Mellon, and I was in the Pentagon, and then she ended up getting the assignment at DIA. But he he chose well to go to a school like Georgetown Prep. That's a, a very it's a good prep school, but also has a boarding program, so he didn't have to worry about where we lived. He could still go to school there. And that's where my nephew went as well, who's a, a, a yearling this year. He went to Georgetown baseball Prep, baseball player, baseball player, right, Harry Flannery, and. Uh, he he I I was texting him about Buckner and we're going back and forth and he's like yeah well we're back it's we're back we're back at West Point now and this was like July 28th I'm like wait a minute Buckner's over in July like do, you you don't hang over until August and he said no we're back at West Point doing stuff Yeah and there were some of the people that were done with Buckner in June Wow because they it, because it's a shorter period so do it at the beginning, some do it at the end. Cool. But they're all going to do they're, they're all going to do something like a uh, they're all going to do something like a airborne school or air assault school. They all do that as yearlings as well. Wow. I'm I'm told by Joe here we have a caller. So is somebody somebody's on the line now with us? Who who's there? Who do we got? Uh, it's uh, Terry Rice. <clears throat> Terry Rice. Hey buddy. Another, another, another fellow, another fellow former scout. I think Terry. I think you said that you went to Camp Kiowa either as a kid, as a kid, or as as, as a scout leader, right? Scout leader. Scout Very leader. cool. Very cool. So, how are you doing? Where Where are you at these days? Um, I'm on a plane um, on my way to Europe right now. He's at thirty five thousand feet. And he's calling into this podcast. And that's because you're an IT guy. You know how to do that. I would. I, I how'd you pull that off? Thirty five thousand feet. He's talking to us. That's pretty wild. Uh, SAS Airlines, uh, pretty good. Yep. Wow, Terry. So you were. I think you were also. I think you were also a computer science guy, right? Um. It was a international relations major in the computer science uh, track. Oh, you did the track. track. Right. But now you work in the field. You work in computer science, I think. You work like, you work for, I think you work for a pharma company or something, if I remember right, right? Yeah. 
Yeah, I work in the cybersecurity area for a pharma company as the chief information security officer. Cool. And you, oh, there's the C word. I got to stop saying cool so much. I'm going to try not to say it. So I, I remember Terry, too. Uh, Terry was an E1. I was an F1. So we kind of knew a little bit like about each other. But I think, Terry, your old man was a, was a, was in the band, was in a West Point band. And you grew up on West Point, right? Maybe not the best reception at 35,000 yeah. feet. So we should... Uh, may, so. Oh, there he is. I think he's back. Are you back? Yeah. Yeah, I'm back. Okay. Sorry about that. No, no worries. I can't believe he's at 35,000 yeah, feet. Um, he, Go ahead. Sorry. And then... Uh, so he served in the British... I think, uh, I think we lost him. Yeah, yeah. The reception well, is uh, also a big delay, right? I'm sure, I'm sure he's hopping through satellites. Yeah, and, yeah. yeah. And whatnot, so. so, well, Terry, Terry grew up at West Point. His old man was in the band, so he was like, kind of had the connection. Was able to go to his, you know, and which I'm sure is an interesting thing for you because you have your your daughter there, Andy. Well, at, hang like, on, we're going to get Andy back on the phone oh, here. And, oh, Andy, both calls dropped. Both calls dropped. Yeah, uh, you know, technology thirty five thousand feet in the air and. Uh, yeah, it winds up dropping both calls. So just uh, give me uh, a second. Here. All right, I'll well, get back technical difficulties. Maybe it's maybe it's the Russians trying to hack into the uh, army could very cyber. Well be. It could very we have well a, be. we have like the guy in charge of the army cyber institute. That's Andy Hall. So let's see if they're, Andy's they're probably back. they're probably targeting him right now. Andy, are you there? SAS. I I I am back. Okay, all right, good, go. good. Did you know Terry Rice, Andy, at school? I did because I was an I one, and uh, like you said, he was E one. Or F one, um, he was E one. Anyway, he was yeah, second battalion. Yeah. So I yeah I did know him. The thing I remember about Terry, I mean, this was intense. But we were plebes, and they're doing like this big Army Navy rally around the clock tower in the middle of uh, Grant Barracks or you know uh, Old South. And so Terry climbs up the top of this thing, and he's like cheering, like everybody's like cheering on. He's doing a rocket from the top of this of this clock tower, and then he like kind of hangs down. He jumps off the clock tower, and you see like this complete, like fear stricken look on his face, and he realized, and this this really happened, Joe. He ripped his finger off in the clock tower. The top wow. of his finger was up at the, in, like he jumped off and like ripped off the top of his finger, like he. He, like the whole like the nail in her first knuckle yeah like really? down there wow he's, he's got like a little st- like a nub I, <laughs> is that fingertip still up there it could be <laughs> it probably is <laughs> you know I, I have to say this the stories that you guys tell and talk about on this podcast can't compare i mean the the the, the, the average college student what they do in college you know your local college ruckers where wherever you guys seem to have a much greater time and more adventurous. Uh, these, well, these stories that you have I can to only tell. imagine because you think about this. He, his parents are on post, right? So they're right. they're like they're calling him up at the you know Keller Army Hospital, like uh, you know, you know, sir, ma'am, I'm sorry, we have your son. Uh, he's here, and he ripped his finger off uh, doing something stupid, like jumping <laughs> off of a clock tower. Yeah. It's like oh rush week God. in uh, you know college. That's, yeah, well, I guess, but you know, without three, the alcohol, it's every day with you guys. I yeah, guess, without so. the alcohol. Yeah, so that was a little crazy. 
So yeah, I ended up getting I got tackled down a flight of stairs. Yes, yeah, so we're going to tell this story. We have to build this up. We have to build this up. This is, <laughs> yeah. a, this is a different story. Okay, let, let, let me break for a second. We're going to come back to that story, Andy, because I want to I want to build up that story. But I want to I want to also just talk about the goals of this podcast and why we're doing it, and also to just think through uh, how we might be able to evolve it over time. So, again, the purpose of this podcast is to foster continued connections among our classmates to be able to create a medium for us to stay in touch. I find myself uh, calling people a lot because I'm dialing for dollars trying to help raise money for our class gift. And it occurred to me, like, I have this great connection with a lot of people. Wouldn't it be great to kind of talk, to be able to spread that connection to the rest of our classmates. We also want to remember our fallen classmates, and that's an important part of this podcast. You know, we've got 24 of our brothers and sisters in arms who are no longer with us, and we want to make sure that we that we remember them. Uh, we also want to connect ourselves closer to the activities of West Point, and specifically uh, to increase awareness around our class-giving goals, which is to the uh, Army Cyber Institute. We're going to talk a lot about that tonight. Uh, and finally, to celebrate the accomplishments of our classmates and where necessary to lift them up. And so uh, let me just take a quick second to digress on that. Um, this week, uh, this week I saw posted that uh, Dave Velasquez, um, he was um, celebrating the, the birthday of his, of his wife who passed away, unfortunately, very recently around Mother's Day uh, due, to a, due to an accident. And um, we're thinking about you, um, uh, Dave, and, uh, and the entire Velasquez family. Um, and so, you know, where we, where we can, we want to lift each other up. And we are thinking about you, and we're very, very sorry for your loss and praying for you. Uh, and so, uh, so that was one thing I wanted to note. And the other thing is, I don't know, have you seen the posts on Facebook, Andy, about uh, uh, Christy Rooney, who is competing in the CrossFit Games right now? Yeah, I saw that. That's crazy. She's crazy. She's, She's definitely in a lot better shape than <laughs> most of us would even dream of. What a can I? I I almost I want to say what a badass, but I know what a good person she is. I, I don't want to use that word associated with her, but she she is like twisted steel, like unbelievable. I, she was doing these muscle ups, like where you're pulling the rings and you do like fifteen of those, and and taking a seventy pound uh, 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 sandbag and throwing it over her her shoulder, and she was swimming and doing all kinds of crazy stuff. She's like, I think the top. Maybe the top twenty female athletes in the country at her age group for CrossFit, and so I mean, if you ever want to feel inspired or humbled, just see what she's doing. It's unbelievable. And uh, so, in the entire Rooney family, you know, what a perfect family. Like you know, Colonel Mike Rooney. He's you know he's basically you know serving his country. I think their daughter recently was commissioned as an army officer, and. You know, like I think I bought a picture frame, uh, like a, a a picture frame I get the pharmacy, like to put a picture in, and it was like the Rooney family was actually in there because they look so they they they're like the all American perfect family. Um, so so anyway, uh, big shout out to to Christy Rooney and to the entire Rooney family for 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 cheering her on and doing all this great stuff. So she's she's amazing. So. Uh, yeah, so I, I'm, I'm actually in training right now. I'm getting ready to. Uh, we're going to play against the cadets at the West Point 
like the 150 pound football team. Where yeah, I have, have a like, game coming up. I have a game said, coming yeah. up. Yeah. So I've been training. I'm like, I'm almost. I can almost get in a three point stance right now. I, I can almost touch the ground. <laughs> so I'm ready. I'm gonna. I'm well, gonna that's I'm gonna, good. That's I'm gonna good go thing. after these guys. So no, I've, I've been thing. training. I'm, I almost got that three point stance in place. So. But uh, so, so, Andy, have you have you ever gone to the 150 pound football game the, against the uh, graduates? The, that's the grads versus the cadets, in full pads, full contact. You know, I, I, I watch it. I was never I was never uh, small enough to be allowed to play that game. You don't have to be. You, you can like they'll let you play. <laughs> I'm playing. I, I'm nowhere near 150 pounds, so I'm going to play. Oh, we have another phone call. Should we take a phone call? We'll take another phone call, and then we'll take a like we'll take a break from the phone calls because we'll do some more talking with with Andy first. But who's on the line here? Welcome to the Old Grad Podcast. What's your name? Maybe not. Maybe it's the right. Maybe that's Vladimir Putin trying to get through it, to the it, Army Cyber Institute. It could very well be. Let me make sure we don't lose Andy on this time. And Andy, are you still with us? I am still with us, and okay. I don't know if Fancy Bear is still listening, but we'll find out. So let's so let's go back. You're you're mentioning about Plebeer. This is Plebeer's freshman year, and you were doing a spirit mission in Mahan Hall, right? So yeah, that's right. Yeah. Take us back to that night. Oh, See so what had, happened. Well, we had everyone from our from our class or from our B squad. So it was. Uh, Lori Ryder and uh, Bev Edwards and Kevin Kiefer and Tom Rossman. Uh, it was you know the whole group of uh, a group of us that had been plebs to, together, and we had, um, we went and made sure that all of the we had went open windows uh, in all of the academic buildings so that we could get into the buildings. And so we went around and put these eight and a half by eleven sheets of paper on all the, wa- the clocks that said it's time to beat Navy, which was not terribly harmful. But uh, by the, way, the time we got to Mahan Hall, it was maybe one, two o'clock in the morning, and there was this lieutenant colonel there to make sure that no, there was no shenanigans at two o'clock in the morning. Well, all of us know there's no good reason why anyone would need to be in Mahan Hall at 2 o'clock in the morning. And so, but he saw us and chased us into an elevator shaft. So hold, hold on one second. Hold, hold on one second. So you were in Mahan Hall, and where was he? Like, was he, like, like hiding in a classroom and, just, like, jumps out and, like, starts chasing you guys? Or what happened? He, he, was, he was, like, patrolling. Patrolling? Was his, his life mission was to do patrolling in Mahan Hall to make so, sure there was no nefarious actors. So what? So is this is this guy like a P or is he like attack? What, yeah, he was a you know, a lieutenant colonel P who decided this was his role in life, and so he he ended up chasing us. He tackled me down down this flight of stairs. Kevin Kiefer was in front of me. He had he had uh, jumped and. We ended up, Kevin and I both ended up in the hospital. Kevin blew his ankle out, and I got my knee redone. Nice. And it turned out that our, nur- our nurse uh, that we had in the hospital was this guy's wife. Wow. So the nurse... So, so he got a rash. The, wor- the nurf- nurse was his wife, and so you, you know he got a rash and a crap from his wife for putting two cadets in the hospital. But also think about, like, his career at this point, right? Because, like, if you're... If you're 
like you know these guys are now department heads, right? You have some lieutenant colonel or some major chase a bunch of cadets and injure two of them and, and to the point where they need operations. What does that mean for that young 04 or 05's career at that point? Well, I can't imagine anyone I can't imagine anyone doing that. It just seems so silly that he would I guess his wife was on night shift at the hospital. So what did, he felt like what did he need to do? I guess I don't know. He was out. What was his name? Do you Keeping remember? Keeping the barracks safe. What was no, his name? I have no I don't I wonder if I, he I couldn't come up with that. I wonder if he's a grad or if he was or not. Like, I guess that wouldn't matter, but, I mean, like, it's kind of a tool bag thing to do, like, to be roaming Mahan Hall trying to, like, chase down a bunch of plebes that are trying to do some spirit mission at Mahan Hall. That's crazy. And you got injured, and who was the other guy that got injured? Kiefer? Uh, Kevin Kiefer, yeah. <laughs> oh, my God. So, at that point, you're probably like, sir, I have your career in my hands right now. Like, I want your wife to be baking me brownies and cookies, and I would like for you to shine my shoes, and you should call me, sir. That's that's what you probably should have done, right? Yeah, but, you know, that we just were trying to get back to what we were doing, which was trying to get back to the Army-Navy game. It's a week before Army-Navy, he just blew my knee out, I'm going to be on crutches for, you know, eight weeks, and... Uh, he was just like an annoyance. We, he didn't even when, once he was gone, he was he was out of our mind altogether. Did you miss Army Navy plebe year? No, I got to go, but I went on crutches, which was a drag. So I didn't get to march on or anything like that. Oh my god! What an idiot! What an and idiot! So I, I went to we we brought all my friends. We were going to visit a friend at Swarthmore, and his room was on the fifth floor. So we were. Uh, going up five flights of stairs on crutches to link up with these guys. And I still remember Mark Beach being so worried because we got up there and the guys were just smoking like it was going out of style. And they, they asked you, hey, you guys want to smoke a bowl with us? And we're like, no. But we well, we all knew enough that, that you weren't going to get contact, uh, uh, contact high. But at the same time, it was kind of funny to, to be there with uh, a normal college experience. Everybody's a few years ahead of the legal marijuana trend. You know, now that stuff is legal in a lot of, in a lot, well, a couple states. I mean, I know it's legal in Massachusetts, uh, and yeah, it's legal in Washington. So, what's going to happen now? Like, what, I guess they can still tell you if you're in the army or if you're a cadet, you can't smoke, you can't smoke weed because even if it's legal in a state, it's still illegal if you are in the army, right? Yeah, it's still illegal federally, too, mm-hmm. which causes a big problem. In Washington, D.C., it's legal, but if you were to have some in your pocket and you walk across the Capitol lawn, they could arrest you. Crazy. Crazy. Yeah. So, so let's get back to uh, to talking more about the uh, Army Cyber Institute and your Army career and all those kind of things. So you met Mary Lou your first year you guys started dating, right? And so was she in your company? Was she was she and I one? Yeah, so she was in E3 for two years, and then we did the, the scramble because she was class of 92. So she scrambled in as a cow and came into my, my company as a cow. And her name was, her maiden name was Mary Lou Hall. And so uh, we had 
Dawn uh, Edmondson now, but uh, she was Dawn um, Laughlin at the time. She thought it'd be really funny to have Cadet Hall and Cadet Hall, Cadet Hall Sir and Cadet Hall Ma'am on the same table. So we sat together on tables the first six months, and then we started dating after Christmas. I guess that makes it easier. She doesn't have to worry about hyphenating her name, right? I mean, she could be like Hall Squared or something, right? I guess. Yeah, that's right. <laughs> well, that's 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 pretty that's pretty wild. And then, so where is she from? So she grew up in Richmond. Okay. And uh, so she got, um, but she got her her nomination through Richmond, but she was from the prep school. Okay. Which, of course, was Fort Monmouth at the time. Was she prior now, service? The prep school's at West Point. Was she, she prior, was she yeah. prior service? Okay. Yeah, I think I because I remember I don't know why I remember like you know seeing her as a cadet with like some ribbons on and stuff. So I figured she was prior service. And then and so then you went off to OBC and you guys continued your romance uh, throughout her first year and then you got married uh, right after she graduated I think or soon after that. Yeah, so we got married in uh, we got married in June, right after after she graduated, which seems pretty safe as a planning factor. But when I was at Ranger School, there were there was a lot of people that ended up doing the recycling piece, and I, I can't imagine Tom Rossman's pain when he he was still at Ranger School, racing right up towards the last day where he was almost ready to get married. Well, I was pretty lucky. I, I got married. I got uh, graduated in April, and then went out to Fort Ord. Got a chance to go down to Panama with the the first battalion, Ninth Infantry. Went down there on one of the rotations down to Fort Sherman, and then was back to get married in the end of June. Yeah, that is kind of rolling the dice. So if you're figuring you're going to get married right after you've graduated from ranger school and you're assuming you're going to get through and like only recycle once or twice. And then of course you've got the whole best ranger competition that happens in May every year. So if you get snagged during that phase, you are screwed with a capital S because you're stuck for six more weeks, I think. Right. Yeah. That'd be awful. Yeah. So we're going to take a break in just a couple minutes, but I want to I want to just say that um, I was thinking about Ranger School. There's, there's all these Ranger School all these Ranger School stories, but there's one Ranger School story about recycling that sticks out to me the most, and it's actually a lesson I tell my kids, which is our classmate Mike Schultz. Do, do you know Mike Schultz, Schultzy? Yeah, I I didn't go to Ranger School with Mike. I don't I don't believe so. So Mike, I don't think he was in my group. Yeah, so Mike basically was a double recycle, and he was going to go back to he had the option to go day one or no they, they basically were kicking him out of Ranger School basically because he double recycled, and so he got all the way through like through the mountain phase of, or the desert or the um, the swamp phase, and so they're like, well, you know, Ranger, you're out, you, you're not going to graduate, tough shit, and so he basically said, well, thank you. Thank you, Sergeant. I, I learned so much, and even though I don't get to wear the tab, it was a great experience. I think I'm going to be a better person and a better officer for this experience, and I just learned so much, and I can't thank you enough. And so then, you know, he packs his bags. They're doing a duffel bag drag, and they pulled him off of the airplane and said, we like that attitude so much, we're going to let you do a third phase in Swamp. We'll let you like go through it a third time. I tell my kids that, like, 
you know, you just remember the Schulte experience. Like, you've got to basically have that positive attitude, even if the world is crumbling around you, because who knows, maybe you'll get a, a third shot at something, you know? And then Schulte will, t- will tell you that he was like, oh, shit, so I got I to gotta keep doing this? <laughs> and then... And then there was one night he was just basically out of gas. Like, you got to figure, he's basically in ranger school for like six months, completely out of gas, and he tells his squad, just leave me here, I'm done. I, I, cannot, go on another, I cannot go on another step. When the RIs come in the morning, I'm going to tell them, I just LOM'd out of ranger school. I just can't go forward. And the, the next morning, the, the RIs never came. He rejoined his squad and kept going and graduated from ranger school. So there, there's something about perseverance in that story. That guy's amazing. Yeah. So we're gonna we're gonna take a short break because we got to fix some of the sound sound things here. I gotta I gotta drink something because my voice is going a little bit, and uh, we'll come back in just a couple minutes. It is the Old Grad Podcast on DreamStreamRadio.com and Facebook Live. Telephone number is 201-289-8200. We'll be back with Andy Hall right after this on the Old Grad Podcast. When is the best time to talk to your family about staying in touch during a disaster? When floodwaters reach your door? When wildfires are engulfing the edge of your neighborhood? Or an earthquake is destroying buildings. When a tornado is tearing through town. Or a hurricane strikes. Or is the best time perhaps today. During a disaster, you may not be able to stay in touch with your family or friends as easily as you think. And it's not always as simple as using your cell phone. That's why now is the time to take action. Go to ready.gov slash communicate and make your emergency plan today. Don't wait. Communicate. Brought to you by FEMA and the Ad Council. Keyboard Cat, Hamilton the Pug, and Toast Meets World. These are some of the Internet's most beloved pets. With millions of YouTube views, shares, Instagram likes, followers, and fans across the globe. But what do all these amazing pets have in common? Their stories started in a shelter. Start your story. Adopt a dog or cat today. Visit theshelterpetproject.org to find a shelter or adoptable pets near you. Training that pet to play the keyboard? Well, (laughs) that's entirely up to you. Visit theshelterpetproject.org and hear more about Hamilton the Pug, Toast, and Keyboard Cat's amazing adoption stories. Start a story. Adopt a shelter or rescue pet today. Your perfect pet is just a click away at theshelterpetproject.org. A public service announcement brought to you by Maddie's Fund, the Humane Society of the United States, and the Ad Council. You wanted to see me? Yes, please, have a seat. So here's the thing. When this company brought you on, we took a chance on you. You didn't have that four-year college degree we typically look for. Right. But we gave you a shot anyway. And since then, you've worked incredibly hard and given it your all. Thanks. You've been an important asset to the team. But I don't think you can be an intern here anymore. We want to hire you. You're, you're serious? Absolutely. Find your next great employee. Introduce yourself to the grads of life. Who are they? Talent worth knowing about. Young adults of unique determination and experience. An ideal fit for your company in an entry-level position, internship, or even mentorship. 
They might not have every qualification you typically look for, but they're exactly who your company needs. I won't let you down. I know. Don't miss out on a resource many innovative companies have already discovered. Go to gradsoflife.org to learn how to find, cultivate, and train this great pool of untapped talent. Brought to you by the Ad Council and gradsoflife.org. This is why you work so hard to pay the mortgage. Because home is more than four walls and a roof. It's that port swing on a summer night. It's pajamas with feet and everybody over for Sunday dinner. And that old stuffed chair in the living room you just can't get rid of. This is why you work a second job. This is why you learn to fix things yourself so you can save on repairs. Because home is your place, your memories, your family sleeping in their own beds at night. And that is why we want to help. We are making home affordable, a free government resource that can make paying the mortgage easier. And now even more options are available. Call 888-995-HOPE today. That's 888-995-HOPE. Or visit makinghomeaffordable.gov. Good night, Mama. This is why. Brought to you by the U.S. Treasury, HUD, and the Ad Council. To the Duty Shall Be Done Old Grad Podcast, where we feature unscripted interviews with graduates of the United States Military Academy Class of 1991. The Duty Shall Be Done Old Grad Podcast with your host, Jamie Schleck, starts now. Andy, you there? I am here. Awesome. Awesome. Hopefully we worked out some of these glitches here. And you guys are able to hear us okay out there in, in Facebook uh, live broadcast. This is going to be downloadable and be playable on Podbean, which is the place that I've uh, started to use for the to aggregate the podcast. So we'll have this uh, available for for forever, I guess, on on Pod on Podbean. And we have it's also available through Facebook, and you'll be able to hear the replay after about 15 minutes after we conclude tonight's uh, episode. And uh, we've got a couple more episodes lined up. So April 19th, I mean, sorry, August 19th, we're going to be doing the Wests, Holly and Mark West, who are also uh, parents of cadets. And then we're also going to uh, then two weeks later. Uh, I think September 9th, we're going to have either uh, Monique Washington or Scott Clemenson. And then two weeks after that, we're going to have either Scott Clemenson or Monique Washington, depending upon Monique's schedule. Monique is a uh, emergency room nurse, and so sometimes she has to work nights. And so it, it depends on her work schedule. But I'm totally psyched to have a conversation with Monique as well as Scott Clemenson. And for those who didn't see it, Scott put out an email last week with a bunch of stuff about West Point, things that are happening. Uh, there's a Academy Liaison Conference that's happening the week after next, I think the 13th or the 15th of August. Also, he let us know that Bob Seymour is going to be an official Academy Liaison person, so that's cool. Uh, and... Um, Oh, no, I'm sorry, I think it's Bobby Seymour, not Scott Seymour. We have two Seymours in our class, a Bobby Seymour Company E1. And um, so and then I think we're going to continue to do this for the rest of the year, about twice a month. So every other Sunday night, I think we're going to try to do a podcast like this. We'll see how it goes. Also, John Keenan may join me in the studio once or twice because he's good for some funny antics and whatnot. So he'll be a good uh good person to help me out here in the, in the studio. So Andy, um, so 
tell me more about the Army Cyber Institute, which, because this is the focus of our class gift, and so it's important for our classmates to know all about uh, ACI and its mission in terms of supporting the Academy and supporting the Army. Yeah, so the Army Cyber Institute currently has 56 uh, people working for it, a mixture of military and civilian. We teach in eight of the 13 departments, so we teach in systems engineering as well as English, teaching in the philosophy department or philosophy course within the English department. We teach in electrical engineering, computer science, mathematics, of course. But we also teach in law. So we're, we're in eight of the departments. And what we're trying to bring to the cadet experience is bring the issues of the cyber domain into the core program. So we have cadets that graduate that are ready to fight across all the domains that they would need to engage upon. There's one thought where you're trying to make a cyber major and you're really focusing on people that are, are deep technical experts. And we do a really great job on that in our electrical engineering computer science department on making deep technical experts that really are uh, at, the, at the cutting edge ready to be world-class hackers. But there's, uh, uh, there's a lot that's needed across the entire core to ensure that everybody is uh, prepared. One of the, the people that we have that works for us is uh, General Hernandez, who was, Brett Hernandez was the first commander of Army Cyber in uh, 2010 when it was stood up the Army Cyber Command. And he works uh, with me and with the, the department heads to ensure that we're getting the, the key issues of cyber into the departments, as well as working across the what we would call the Greybeard community, all of the retired generals, and then working with the active duty generals. It's amazing what a three-star does to open doors when we want to have a conversation. And he really is an outstanding mentor to me to help me with what I'm, uh, what I'm working on. But I've got, uh, I've got myself and another three colonels. So we have four colonels in the ACI right now, four positions. We actually have five on board, but we, we have positions for four. And then we've got uh, lieutenant colonels, majors, captains, you know, the full gamut. And I also have one enlisted soldier uh, who works as my my senior enlisted advisor or my sergeant major, and we've also got three warrant officers. We have warrant officers that are also uh, world-class cyber experts. And I had one of my, my first sergeant major who just left and is now down at Fort Gordon had a Ph.D. in, uh, in quantum cartography. And so we had a uh, NCO teaching uh, teaching class on the on the podium at West Point, teaching about how to pass quantum keys in f the physics department. And he also taught in the systems engineering department, which was pretty darn cool, uh, and I think worthy use of the word cool. And then the current sergeant major that I have right now is an E7, and she's actually a veterinarian. She was a veterinarian before she joined the Army, but she's also got a Ph.D. in psychology, and she's a, a world-class hacker and one of, the, one of our nation-state hackers, and she is uh, just amazing. And you, you put these, these people together, and we work to first build a program that will 
be great for all our cadets, but then also to do research across the Army to try to find ways that, that we can make the, the Army more efficient or solve the problems that are, uh, that are working. Like th this weekend, she's traveling down to um, an area in South America with, with, the, with the Southcom, the Army South staff, and the Sergeant Major and the Commander and her are all traveling together to address some cyber issues in Southcom. And that's the kind of thing that we that we get a chance to do is to, to reach out, work with both the, what you would think of as the cyber community, being the folks that we have that are hackers at Fort Meade, but we also work with the rest of the Army to try to answer their questions. We've been working with the Infantry School or the Maneuver Center of Excellence on communications, making mesh networks and doing underground communications. And then we're also just out at, at the city of Houston, working with the city of Houston on how to do first responder exercises on uh, to, to address an issue that would be a, a cyber attack on the city of Houston, working with all the first responders in Houston, in addition to their liaisons to the state, the state military department, the National Guard, and then on up to FEMA Region 6 and some uh, some federal response. So we have a, a excellent opportunity to do a mixture of creating new knowledge through research, but at the same time working with partners to try to find ways that we can engage with the, the cyber community and with the owners of our critical infrastructure to make the Army safer. And then we also do quite a bit with the leader development working with the cadets. So, and in addition to working with our cadets, we also work with ROTC cadets, which is kind of a unique role at West Point. So what does our class gift actually do? I mean, we, we are formally endowing the Army Cyber Institute with a cyber chair. So what, what does that actually mean? So our money goes to do what? So the, the chair is the position that, that uh, General Red Hernandez fills. And so what it does, it pays for him to be a part of the ACI. And so... Uh, his role in the Army Cyber Institute was really being my advisor and also to to work with everyone that is uh, all the members of the ACI, but also to get some of our projects uh, working in ways that you need some three-star emphasis. Because I work for this directly for the superintendent. The superintendent can provide all kinds of overhead for me, but he also knows that by us having the chair there, Red Hernandez is there, to help us be that much more productive. So there's uh, the, the, the way that things work through AOG, AOG funds most of the chairs at West Point. And so, so Rhett's job is to do two things. One is to oversee the and to work with the Army Cyber Institute. And the other is to work with the Cyber Research Center, which is our other cadet-based group within the Electrical Engineering and Computer Science Department that does research for uh, to benefit cadets. So there's another cool thing that, that General Hernandez can do that you cannot do, right, which is he can ask for money from uh, public-private uh, sponsorships, right? Yeah, well, because he, he actually works for AOG and doesn't work for the government anymore, then, then he has that restriction. We're all, as you know, all of us that are on active duty are restricted from asking asking for any money. And we in the soup, we can we communicate what the needs are, but we can't uh, ask for money. 
But by having a three-bagger up there, you mentioned like this graybeard community, and I only just recently learned that term. I think it's a really interesting term, although there's many three-star women that don't have beards, so we have, probably have to become more uh, politically correct there uh, or more uh, evolved. But ultimately, like this... the, the the, the former general community is a very influential body in terms of policy, in terms of the way that things happen in the DOD, right? Yes, they're very influential, and they they have a very active role in mentoring the, the current uh, group of general officers. So they provide mentorship to the, to the current class as well as uh, working to help with organizations like AUSA, where they, they help to address the, the, the hot topics of today for the Army. And they also can work quite a bit on Capitol Hill. They end up working across a, a lot of, of industries and, and provide uh, continued benefit back to the Army. Technically, though, he works for you, though, General Hernandez, right? Like, he's, he's, he works for you. Yeah, that's right. He, wor- he works for us. And we, we sign his TDYs just like everyone else that's in the ACI. So do you ever like, so what, what do you call him? Do you call him sir? Do you call him Rhett? Do you say, go fetch me a coffee because you work for me and shine my shoes? Like, well, how does that work? But we don't, uh, we don't have him shine our shoes. We, we've kind of uh, <laughs> gone away from that. All right. But, uh, um, no, I, I, generally I, I call him sir because that's a uh, habit, but, um, you know, depending on, on the group, sometimes uh, when you're calling him, you'll call him Rhett to get his attention. Um, just because, you know, sometimes sir is not as, uh, you know, there may be more than one person that's, that's sir in the particular room or something. Mm-hmm. But um, but he's, a, he's a, great, a great mentor for me, and he's on, I, I can talk to him anytime I want, which is really a, a huge benefit. And... Uh, Part of what we are doing in the ACI is coming up with absolutely crazy ideas and trying to find out what the, what the future would be and what we need to do. And so having somebody that is a three-star advocate that can tell us what they think of our crazy ideas, but then also shop our crazy ideas around the Greybird community to make sure that it's not just something we think is interesting, that, that kind of value is, is really invaluable to my team. And he works with all of the he works with the captains i mean he has no problem sitting down and helping them giving them some insight and he's spent his life as artillery general as a uh, taught in the math department he was an or uh, analyst worked across uh, all of the things you would expect an artilleryman to do and then commanded human resources command and then finished as the army cyber commander so he just has a wealth of experience to provide for us. And it really gave me a lot of top cover with the superintendent where the superintendent knew that, that I had Rhett uh, looking out for me. And so he didn't have to spend as much time uh, providing us oversight. This is so much better than funding like another statue or a, a bench or some other, you know, some other wing to the mess hall or something. I mean, this actually has a functional, a functional, uh, value in today's army and the, uh, the 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 big threats that that our DOD sees, and I have to give credit to 
both Anthony Noto and Elad Uran, who were very vocal in saying, this is what we need to be doing. This was like three, four years ago when we were selecting our class gift. This was before before all the stuff with, you know, Russians affecting our elections and all that kind of stuff. This was like, you know, it just was like, like way before all that. And these guys said, this is something we need to do. We're like the second class to even have computers at West Point. What an appropriate gift for us to endow that chair and to help move the Army Cyber Institute forward. Uh, so thank you for giving us the perspective. And how cool it is that we've got a 91 grad that's leading that's leading the Institute now. Yeah, I think that yeah, the, the uh, I took over for Greg Conti, who was the first uh, first head. So it's it's been exciting. One thing that's kind of interesting we 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 try to build a cyber community, and so we have a couple products that we create. One is the Cyber Defense Review Journal, which is a journal that is available through the JSTOR network. So if you're uh, all academics work with JSTOR through the library, and we have our journal that is is available through that it has peer-reviewed articles as well as commentary from senior leaders and i think that our members of our class i think would enjoy reading that and we also run a, a conference called psycon which is we run psycon us there's two conferences one that's held in estonia and then one we hold in the united states and it's a, a joint venture that we have with the cooperative cyber defense center of excellence in Tallinn, estonia which is the the nato center there and we work on uh the items of of importance for cyber conflict and not not the fall of 2017 but the fall of 2016 we had um dmitry apovich of crowdstrike on stage at psycon and he was our closing speaker and he called out the russians for the hack of the Democratic National Convention, as well as the hack of our election. And he, he went back to the beginning of the czar and walked forward why this was completely in line with what Russians would do. And it's we've got that out there on, on the Internet, if someone is interested in seeing that. And really, one more testament to the kind of work that we're doing. So we called him out, and then the next year... The, uh, the fancy beer actor that, that is associated with that DNC hack actually tried to hack our PsyCon conference by sending out fake invitations to people with, uh, with malicious links. Interesting. So all those people that are, like, behind the scenes, like, like basically, like, hacking, like, being, being on the front lines, like, like, like you mentioned to me, like, you've got people in your shop that have done amazing, cool things like on the nation state level in terms of hacking, in terms of cyber defense. So that's right. I mean, that's basically the case, right? Yeah, so we have this uh, job called the interactive on-net operator. And basically it's because we we have to create a name for hacker. But they are the, the nation state hackers of our government. I have multiple people in my team that that's what they did in their last job. So, so they, like... Like, had some amazing experiences. So, like, when a rocket blows up on the launch pad in North Korea, that may have something connected to people in your team. But we don't do any operations out of West Point. Mm-hmm. But we'll be very clear. Uh, we're not running cyber operations. I'm not running psychological operations. I'm not running intelligence operations out of West Point. 
but the people who do the people who do that kind of stuff though they're connected to to your team though i mean like like you they're like one degree of one degree of separation from you basically those those people that are doing that kind of stuff Right, and that's what they used to do. Mm-hmm. But now, when but we don't do, we don't do the operations from West Point. Right, Soup made it very clear that he didn't want to hear about me hacking North Korea on the weekends. I see, I see. But he probably heard the stories of Andy Hall taking down uh, EECS uh, three back in the day, right? Like the, uh, back when we were cadets, but we were computer science guys. Well, I, we definitely have the talent to do the hacking, so I think that's why the warning was necessary. Right. So you also were a computer science guy, but you taught in the math department. Why Why did that happen that way? When well, you... I, I was coming out of, uh, I commanded in Korea and got a chance to, I wanted to come back and teach at West Point. And so because I was commanding in Korea, I was a little bit ahead of schedule. So I asked the computer science department if I could come back and teach. And they they kind of mentioned that quite possibly my grades were not high enough. To, to teach in computer science. Good old and computer I, science. I Good old EECS. They, they, yeah, they have a saying. It's uh, twice the work for half the grade. That's the uh, motto of the EECS department at times. That's so I didn't get... I taught in the math department, which is great. Actually, doing applied mathematics is very close to, uh, to what I like to do in computer science. And so then now I'm a member of the computer science group at West Point, so I'm, I get to finally be a member of electrical engineering computer science again. So so I too I too was a computer science guy and I was told as a cadet that there was no way I would come back to teach in the uh, in the computer science department as a cadet. Uh, and that was not just because of my grades. It was because there was a bunch of us who dropped a class when we were firsties because this guy was like a complete Nimrod, who was our professor, and we realized we didn't need that class to graduate, and so there was like eight of us that basically banded together, and we went to the colonel in charge of the department and said, sir, we don't need to take this class, so we're just going to drop it. Do you remember that story, what happened back then? Yeah, I, um, but that wasn't one that I was in, but uh, it was kind of fun yeah. uh, to hear that story again. Yeah. So I, I think the ringleader was Adam Muller, who's actually your company mate. Uh, he was like um, he was a turn back, I think. Decided to do a second, a second uh, uh, major because he, I mean, academically he was squared away. I think he got turned back for a discipline or something, and so he picked up a computer science degree as well. But he was like, "Listen, guys, we don't need to take this class. We don't need this class to graduate. We can just drop it. Let's all drop this class like right now." And I remember Major or Colonel Billado at the time was like, by the way, the computer science guys were like right out of central casting for like Revenge of the Nerds. And like they should have had Band-Aids on their, on their uh, glasses, like the, their, their, their Teds. And so Major Billado was like, if you ever try to apply back to this department to be a P, we will not accept you. And we're like, all right, sir. So we all, we all dropped that class. So... <laughs> there were some smart guys in the computer science department, and there are a couple of them, I think, were the ones that helped pull guys like me through. And uh, one guy that I want to just note, who was one of our fallen classmates, is Steve Yost. Uh, Steve was my design partner first year, and he carried he carried our group. You know, I was I was more of like the cover page and the bibliography guy, and helped put the pieces together. And Steve was the Steve was the brainiac that made it all happen. And he was just such a great guy. Did you know Steve, Andy? 
Yes, I did. Yeah, he was he was an outstanding guy. De- definitely uh, big-hearted, would always help you, and de- definitely didn't strike the normal central casting nerd. No, no, no. no. That guy was, like, smooth. Way. Yeah. I think he's an aviator, right? Did he go aviation? Yeah. Yeah, he's, exactly he's, so. yeah, he had the high grades and just the nicest guy. He's from Pennsylvania, like central Pennsylvania, I think, York, Pennsylvania, if I remember right. Just like, you know, down home, like really nice guy and just carried us. It was me, Frank Borsma, Breton and Amia, and, and Steve. And then what the funny thing is, is that I remember doing our design partner, our, our design stuff in his room that year and his roommate was Bill Love, a, another great guy, another one of our classmates who left this world too early. And so, you know, small world that it is, those guys shared, they were buddies and they shared their room first a year and they're both no longer with us. And I know that the uh, B4, B4 group totally misses them and, and, and toasts to them frequently. And uh, we, all, we all miss those two guys a, a whole lot. Did you know Bill also? Yeah. Bill Love? Yeah. So, um, yeah, no, we, um, well, you and I had been talking a little bit about, um, about Bill Hecker the last time that, yeah, that yeah. we were yeah, that's, uh, having that, the discussion. Another crazy story. So take me back. It's January, 2005. Where are you? Yes, yeah, so I was in, I was in Baghdad and I had, I had been at teaching at West Point and, um, you know, Bill had been teaching at West Point as well. He was in the English department. We were in the math department. And um, I actually saw uh, come across the, the the SIG acts in real time that he had just died. And it was it pretty, you feel pretty helpless when you see something like that, that your friend um, has just died. Because he was just there on the advance party doing uh, doing their left suit, left seat, right seat ride, just getting first uh, acclimated into coming into theater. That's crazy. So here you are. You are in the. How how long had you been in theater for? Yeah, so I guess this was um, this was January of two thousand five. So we'd been there like two weeks. Wow! And here comes the spot report. You were in the G one. You said right. Well, I was in. I was doing. Um, I was working in the core artillery. Okay. And uh, I was. I was. Uh, Working in the in the, the core artillery, and we had uh, uh, Andy Rendon and I were working working together. There's there's a couple other um, uh, a couple of other guys that we had that were classmates that were there in 18th Airborne Corps at the time. Uh, but it was uh, it was a good group of, of folks. And we, but we were working. You know, on the core staff, so uh, all of those SIGACs were things that we were that we were worried about. Wow. So, what do you do? I mean, do you, so Mary Lou's at home, right? She's basically she was. You guys were based out of West Point at that time. No, we just uh, we were based. I was in the G one uh, in Washington D.C. when okay. I got pulled for the deployment. Okay. And so I, I had been at West Point. And we PCS from West Point to D.C., and then I went from D.C. to 18th Airborne Corps. Okay, but you were recently had been at West Point, so you knew Bill Hecker, you knew the Hecker family. They were still at West Point because Bill went from West Point to to Iraq. So I think. Yeah, and uh, go ahead. Yeah, and his family was right here in the in the um, 
northern Virginia area. I think they're from McLean. So, um, so my wife was able to go to the, to the funeral, which was which is here at Fort Myer. Right. Then they did they did a memorial service up at West Point that I went to, and there was a bunch of our other classmates that were there. Rory Anglin, I remember, was there, and a few others of us were there. And in my mind, that, that's the thing to me that is like seared in my memory more than anything was just seeing his family sitting up there in the in the front pew and the cadet chapel, and uh, I just. I just couldn't control my emotions. I was just so broken up by that. And so, but I can only imagine, like, there you are, you're in Iraq, you get this sit rep or this spot report that your classmates passed away, and you got a few other 91ers that are there. Did did you guys, like, come together and say, like, holy cow, like, this is our first KIA of our class, or what happened? Well, you you didn't really... It's hard, hard to grasp that, that you're, uh, because you, you think of it more as your friend just died as opposed to the first from our class. But I, I guess um, you know, we, there was going to be somebody that was going to be uh, the first. I guess we've been blessed in many regards that, that we've, um, that Bill was our only combat loss. Uh, you know, the, a lot of us that were teaching like Bill, there, were, there was, uh, you know, we lost quite a few of the cadets we taught, which was uh, uh, another one of those interesting experiences when you, you hear about somebody that you had in math class that ends up um, uh, getting killed. But definitely with uh, with Bill, I think that um, you know, the work that he, he did a lot of great work on Poe, and and I I would encourage anybody that, that hasn't gotten a chance to get his book on Private Perry and Mr. Poe, it's, it's fun to read about the, the, his work on, uh, on Poe's poems about West Point. Right, another classmate who wrote a book. We 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 talked last podcast. We've got several classmates who have written books, and we forgot to mention that Bill Hecker also had a book about Edgar Allan Poe and his time at West Point. So that's another one we should put on our on our comp, on our class reading list, I suppose. Yeah, definitely. Yeah, and so I, I so so then I think Bill Hecker was married to the sister of another one of our classmates, Rick Graham, and they were company mates in, in B3. B3 is a super tight uh, group. And actually, oddly enough, B3, just like just like B4, um, they've also lost two classmates. I mean, we, we've lost a total of 24, but obviously, you know, not every company has had somebody who they've lost, and some companies have lost more than one. And so um, Kim... Um, Kim Winnington is another one of our classmates, uh, company B3, who passed away, in addition to Bill Hecker. So, uh, so B3, I know, uh, B3 is a super tight company. If there, was ever, if there was another company besides my own that I would want to have been in, it would have been B3, because those guys are super, they, I, we actually shared PL300 together, so I, I got to know those guys, and Bill Hecker was in my PL, PL300 class. Uh, so, I knew those guys pretty well from B three, and so they lost. They've lost two classmates, and that's that's tragic. Um, and so again, getting back to the arc of this podcast, I mean, not only are we talking about our class, our class giving goals and trying to support more more uh, involvement of our class uh, to this very important purpose, the Army Cyber Institute. The other purpose of this podcast is to remember our fallen classmates, and so. Um, so Bill Love, you know, and uh, Steve Yost, and and uh, and and Bill Hecker, and Kim Whittington are are four people we got a chance to speak about a little bit tonight, um, and we miss them dearly, and we our thoughts go out to their families as well. Um, 
So, uh, so Andy, going back, just kind of jumping back and forth here on a couple things. But so you have a daughter who's a firstie. You have a wife who is a former female cadet. You must have, I think, an interesting perspective as a as a male on what the challenges must be like for a woman to go through West Point. And what are your what have we have we evolved further in the last thirty years since we graduated? What what are your thoughts on that? I think we've cycled, but there's we've got a lot of we've got a long ways to go. And a part of it, I I think, as I took a look at my daughter getting ready to go to West Point, if you take a look at the guys from her school that were interested in going to West Point, they were very conservative and interested in, in traditional male role models. And whereas the the women that are looking at going to West Point are more on the completely liberal uh, women can do anything range. And so you, you get this group of people that in high school would be like oil and water. They, they're not the same group of people. And then we put them all at West Point. They're all the people that want to serve our country. But they, they don't exactly mix as well at West Point as, as uh, we would like. Now, I think that everybody uh, is continuing to get better. But you think of the, the challenges. There's plenty of people that are looking to do something as a challenge. We just have to get to the point where everybody realizes that it's okay for us to do hard things, and men are going to do hard things, and women are going to do hard things. We're all going to do them together. And I guess I was really blessed because I had uh, both Bev Edwards and Lori Ryder um, were awesome, uh, you know, squad mates during Beast and, and good examples of, of somebody that could do whatever uh, we was, was asked of them. And you, it, when you have those great experiences and, and from the beginning – you you kind of assume that that it's okay that we're all there together. And I then, I, th- I think yeah. I, 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 was was Ingrid Powell also I one? You know I I think that Ingrid was in I company but not in I one. I think she was in uh, one of the other uh, I companies. Okay. Sorry I I I took you off your yeah. uh, your game there so. Uh, no, but I mean, I've got a chance. We went back to the scouting thing. I, I've worked with some some great women that uh, chose to go to West Point as as scouts, and they, uh, you know, they were outstanding and, and are really doing a great job at West Point. And this last year, the the top batch, I think, it was the, maybe the top six in the class were all women. The top six academic graduates, and. Uh, we keep getting closer. We're we're getting up closer to thirty percent of women at the academy, which I think is really healthy. And our last superintendent had said, "Hey, if we get to fifty percent, that was good with him." Well, how cool was it that the first three females to graduate from Ranger School were all West Point grads? That was that was so cool to see. I think I, I I'm using the cool the c word again here, the the cool word. But that was I was so proud to see that those that all three of them were West Pointers. Yeah, no, that was awesome. I think now 15 women have graduated through Ranger School, maybe even more. I saw a post about that. So, Yeah. Well, we we, we had um, – we you had asked me the last time we talked if the general officer list had came out, and it, it came out since we, we talked about it. Oh, it did? Oh, cool. But, uh, but uh, Todd Wassman is one of the guys that's on the list, and um, he was my neighbor at West Point when we were there teaching as uh, majors. And – you got a chance to go to Ranger School as a major, 
which uh, that's one of those things. Be careful what you ask for. You know, you, you tell a story to your department head about how you'd like to go to ranger school. And next thing you know, you're at ranger school as a major. Yeah, it'd be tough to do that. At, it's tough to do it at any age, but certainly, you know, when you're a major, you're, what, 33, 34 years old, maybe older than that. Actually, the third female West Pointer to graduate from ranger school was a 33-year-old major in the reserves. This this woman, her name is Lisa Jaster. I'm friends with her on Facebook, and I've followed her, and she's she's incredible and amazing. I think, you know what, I have to admit, I have evolved quite a bit from my cadet days. I mean, I, we had four women in our class, and they were, each one was better than the next in terms of academics, and they had zero problem getting through West Point. And that was Sharon DeCrane, um, Libby Boggs, um, Steph Southard, and Julie Wood. And so... They, I mean, there was like zero struggle for those four. I think they, and they were, they were, they all got along with each other, and they basically, um, they supported each other. But like academically, none of them struggled. They were all like top of the class, never had any, never had any issues. And but you know, and, and they were like sisters to us, and we loved them, and they were, they were, they were great, you know. But I think that still back then, I mean, when we were plebes, we're still calling people sir we said well, the minutes were still sir and whatever like it was just still were evolving a little bit but now i think through it you know i have two daughters now and i think having a daughter changes a perspective very dramatically it certainly has for for me it's changed me i mean if, if you the, like you know nobody nobody will ever tell my daughter what they could not do you know and i i don't know if i did not have that perspective when i was a younger, a younger person, a, a young man at West Point, or even a lieutenant in the army. I didn't, I didn't, I didn't have that kind of maturity or perspective. I think that I do now. I'm super supportive of it now. I was, I'm so much more of a, I guess. And now I work for a woman too. I like my my boss is a woman, and I'm surrounded by women in my in my professional life, and it definitely has made me uh, kind of a better person. I think having being able to see the, the you know the professional um uh, relationship uh with with women so anyway so west point is now 30 percent women your daughter is a cadet uh how many so that would mean there's probably what five or six cadet females per company today maybe at least that right maybe seven or eight yeah no it's um so depending on the class, but they do have, uh, um, you know, you're, you're going to have a couple, four. They, they end up with four-person rooms now quite a bit because of the, the they're doing all the remodeling. And I, I'd have to check. I, I, I think my, my daughter has like six or seven uh, in, her, in her company. Wow. I'd have to check. Probably more bathrooms but, now. It's more than just one floor in a division, or more than one bathroom in a division. That that's for females. Yeah, I haven't really taken a look in the new uh, Davis barracks, but uh, I guess that would tell us the new template. Yeah, probably. Probably. I I, I I got a chance to see that from the outside. What an amazing what an amazing barracks! Holy cow! So and we, it definitely it it fits in nicely with the with the rest of West Point. You, you know there's something different, but it takes you a little while to figure out what it is when you look at it. Yeah, yeah. I, I took my son up there for basketball camp, my son, Lukey. I was mentioning before the, the kid that makes fun of me so 
so uh, so perfectly. And so he he played basketball up there. And I was taking him up there. I wanted to show him where Boodler's was. I said, let me show you where he used to get pizza and used to, you know, get crazy on a Saturday night and get a, a, a thing of ice cream. And I go up there to Boodler's and it's like, there's no Boodler's. It's just a huge complex, a gigantic barracks up there, the, the Davis barracks. <laughs> and I was like, I can't yeah. believe this. So we've been talking, Andy, for in about an hour and 25 minutes, and we're going to wrap this up in another five minutes or so. Um, I just wanted to um, uh, maybe come back again through the arc of the podcast and talk about the importance of our class gift, the importance of uh, what we've committed to as a class. You know, we're endowing the chair at the RB Cyber Institute, currently held by General Red Hernandez. Uh, General Hernandez is kind of like your mentor, but also like a liaison to the Greybeard community and the public-private community. And so by us, uh, by us sponsoring that, uh, endowing that chair, it's going to enable future RB Cyber Institute leaders to be able to leverage this, this relationship. And so company I1, you guys are at 56%. Uh, participation rate, and I mentioned on the last podcast, we have a goal uh, as a company. I, I, we have a goal as a class to be the most generous class in academy history. The highest class ever on a thirtieth reunion had an eighty-eight percent participation rate, and I would love for us to be at ninety-one percent. Um, there's only one cadet company that has achieved this so far, and that's the mighty, mighty company F1 that is currently at 93%. Uh, last podcast, we were at 89. We convinced one more person to give, and that took us to 93. So one company, that's my company, company F1, is uh, now at 91%. But the goal is to have our entire class at 91%. And so, Company I-1, you guys are at 56%. I know, Andy, you said that you can't ask for money, but I'm going to ask on your behalf. Um, we need some more i oners to basically step up and, and give and give money. And I don't care how much it is. It could be $19.91. Just give something. Let's get to the point where we have that high participation rate. What a statement that will be. What a commitment it will be among our classmates if we give 91%. I posted in Facebook earlier the participation rates uh, by company. And company B4 is, is on the tails of F1. They're, they're also uh, they're very high up there in particip- participation rate. And uh, we're going to continue to sort of uh, to graphically depict our class in the different run groups like we used to. So the black group is the top group, and then the gray group, and then the gold group. And so uh, you'll see the companies there. And if you're out there listening and you want to help sort of uh, – uh, stump for the class and 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 twist some arms and get your company mates to step up and and give some money. Uh, that would be great. Uh, Chris Barden was on the last call um, recently and he was talking about how he was listening to this podcast with his son and it was great. And he's in company G one and G one. G1 is the GOAT right now. G1 is at the bottom of our class in terms of participation rate. And so it would be great, Chris Barden, if you could uh, talk to the other what, what was G1? Are they guppies or gators? What, what, what were they? I, I don't remember. G1. Greeks? Guppies. The guppies. The Greeks. The Greeks They're or the, the guppies? Greeks. All right. We'll get the some Greeks. of those Greeks. Get some of those Greeks to step up and give some money. That's what we need to do. And I don't care how much. Just give something because we want to be at 91%. Um, we've actually gone from 44% this past year to 54%. So 10% improvement in one year, which is admirable. 
but in my book, that's kind of like a high zero, like we got in gymnastics. It's 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 good, but not good enough. Um, I want to get us to ninety one percent by our thirtieth reunion. So we've got about thirty. 30 some odd months from now until then and I'm going to continue to harp on that and this is another way, this podcast is a way for us to engage with our class and really uh, stress the importance of that Um, we've got quite a few classmates that are on this call right now and uh, so uh, Kelly Laughlin I see is there and Brent Crabtree and uh, I think I saw uh, was Jeff Simpson and Vic Lindemeyer uh, Brad Woods, Dave Peak, Matt Lewis Dave Romano, Jan Clark, Deb Larney. So it's great to have you here. Hopefully this has been an informative podcast. It helps us to stay connected as a, as a, as a class. And I'll definitely love to hear some of your suggestions for future topics and for future guests and other things that we should be talking about. Andy, I'm going to give you the, like the final word here. You can talk a little bit more about the Army Cyber Institute or, or West Point or the Army or whatever you want to talk about. And I'd be happy to host any of our classmates that are at West Point back at the Army Cyber Institute, show them what we're working on. And we also got a chance to do a, with the, uh, the history, the history department has these podcasts that they did on some of the things that we've done in the cyber community. But it's really been an awesome time to get a chance to, to be doing something new we, I never would imagine that one of the things that I would have on my resume was that we created a new branch. So we created the new cyber branch, and I got to put myself in it. And then here we are running the Army Cyber Institute and and getting a chance to really uh, try to solve some of the most pressing issues for our Army going forward. So it's a it's a neat place to be, and I'm um, I'm glad and honored that we've got our class supporting it. And speaking of the branch, so you got to you got to help stand up that branch. You you personally. Or you, you with a group of people got to pick the colors of that branch. Uh, tell me the story about that. Yeah, so um, so we ended up with black and gray, and then of course the gold is on your your collar for free. So you can you can always tell that the cyber community was created by a group of gray hogs. But we we just uh, one of the things we had to do when you're making a branch is you have to come up with your own colors. And so uh, the group that were at the ACI, the Army Cyber Institute were really instrumental. I, I called them up on the phone and asked them for colors and insignia, and they were able to, to give me ideas. And so that's what we turn into heraldry to try to get colors. Cool. That I hear I'm with the C word again. My, my son's going to make fun of me. That is really great that you did that. Um, and the class of 91 had a hand in that. And the class of 91 is reaching across the entire Army in terms of our emphasis on uh, cyber. And also, you mentioned, too, our classmate General Rick Engel is moving over into the cyber field for a rotation, right? He's going to be like the the G one uh, the uh, deputy commander of cyber, the cyber uh, community, That's right. right? Yeah. Yeah, Deputy Commander of Army Cyber Command. And so I'll actually be, uh, I'll see him on Tuesday, so I'm looking forward to that. And so, yeah, so so he was promoted to general last year. So on the list for this year, what, what other classmates are on this? You said Todd Wasman made, made general, or is that, he's on the list? Who else is on that list? Yeah, and I, um, I saw that Greg Anderson was on the list and, and Joe Ryan. And um, I think that somebody else had thrown out another name on the, the list, but... Um, those are those are the three that I saw. I think there was there might have been one other. Wow, Joe Ryan. So Joe Ryan's 
also E1. So E1's got two general officers, uh, Joe Ryan and, uh, and D.A. Sims are both general officers, company E1. And interestingly, their tack was Lloyd, what's his name? Uh, what's his, the guy that was, he was a four-bagger, African-American general. What's his name? Lloyd, Lloyd Austin. Lloyd Austin yeah. was their tack. Yeah. yeah. I wonder, I wonder how much that makes an influence uh, that you kind of know that guy. Who knows? But, uh, that is awesome that they are both generals. So congratulations, Joe Ryan. Congratulations to Todd Wasman and and to our other classmates that are pinning on stars here soon. One of the things I was going to ask Andy about was how many hours he walked. So how many hours did you walk on, on the area, Andy? Yeah, and that was one of the things I can't even remember. But I do remember that um, some of the hours I was sitting, I remember sitting in the edge of the room playing bridge with Tom Rossman and Mark Panna. Because uh, we had gotten hours for just being messy in our room, and, and so we were. Uh, and, and I remember getting hours for printing out the SOCH paper after taps. Because you remember we had the the dot matrix printers that you the tactical officers, the OC could hear from ever our dot matrix printers cranking out our our papers after taps. And we were saying too, all those computer science guys, because we were always logged in, and they could, they could, they could have, they could have written all of us up, because we we're always logged in after after taps. They just had a record of it right there, like, hey, you know, Cadet like you're using, you know, EECS at, at three a.m. So, but yeah, uh, so with you, our green, yeah, with with, with the green, with our green mono- monitors turned yeah. all the way down, and the green girls blocking the window. Yeah, but uh, so. So you didn't really push the limit so much, but you had some people in your class, in your company, that did push the limit, right? So, so who who is the yeah. one that pushed the limit the most in I one? Well, so we talked a little bit about Adam Muller, and he pushed the limit so much in the class of ninety that he got to join I one as a ninety one guy, and was a history major and a computer science major, and he was an awesome guy. He worked on the design projects with me and uh, Mike Wazowski and. Uh, Mike Lazowski uh, or Matt or Matt Lazowski? Um, Matt, yeah, Matt. Yeah, yeah. he was computer and, science guy. And then that's right. And um, but uh, I think that Rich Ryan, um, we we he got he got uh, a little slug as a firsty for uh, trying to you know take shots and make it back to the parking lot before they hit him. Yeah, just a little one. I, mean, I, I remember him telling the story too. It, it makes sense, right? Like, like let me just do five quick shots here at the bar, and I will just zip up to the parking lot, and I, it won't even take effect until I'm up there, right? That was the plan. Simple plan. Yeah, I, I think there was some someone got in his way, and he got slowed down a little bit. The next thing you know, things are bad. Yeah, things are really bad, and so he got like a major league slug. He was on the area for most of first year. I think that may have happened. I think that was around football season that that, that, that happened. I think that was like around maybe Thanksgiving or something, if I remember right. Yeah. <laughs> so, he, yeah. so he was on the area like every weekend, hours and hours and hours and hours and hours. And he, like I remember he calculated it out, and he was going to finish – one week before spring break. That was when he was going to be done with this with this time that he was putting in, right? And he like he was like he was like going bananas. And I, he was roommates with Brett and Amia, if I remember correctly, because Brett and I were design partners together. That's why. I saw, so, like, in addition to being seeing the room with uh, Bill Love and with uh, Steve Yost, the other room that I would see would be Brett and uh, Richie. 
And Richie was like going nuts, right? And somehow there was a group of us, and Rich was part of this group. We went on spring break first a year. So Rich, I just remember that guy, it was like he was shot out of a cannon and he was on fire during spring break. Like he was such a pace setter. It was insane. We I, I, I'm still, my, my liver is still damaged from that, that week in Cancun with, with Richie Ryan. Cause he, the, the entire, that entire week was just insane and crazy. And, uh, we, <laughs> I remember we, we, cause we, we, we were trying to conserve money. We had, we had money, but we didn't have, I don't know, for some reason we were like, let's, cause we're all so cheap, I guess. And said, there was an all-you-can-eat buffet across the street from the hotel that we're staying at. It was four ninety nine. All you could eat. We said, let's just eat there once a day. Like we'll save all of our money for booze and for taxis or whatever we need. And we're only gonna we're only gonna belly up to the to the to the to the food bar once a day and for like an hour and a half. We would eat this shitty shitty food, and we all got Montezuma's revenge, like you wouldn't possibly believe. And, uh, oh, my God, what a crazy, crazy weekend that was. There, there was not enough. It was kind of like the episode of, um, have you ever seen the movie? Who's, who's, what movies with all the bridesmaids? When all, yeah. <laughs> they're, all trying to, they're all trying to get around to the bathroom, and people are going in toilets and sinks and showers. That, that's what our spring break was like. It was, it was insane. And Richie Ryan was leading the pack. Unbelievable. So, so we didn't talk about Richie yeah. Ryan, but now we did for those who are still listening. And what else are we going to? Yeah, talk he about? ended up getting he got an MBA at uh, at Cornell right after he got out of the army and is uh, uh, doing the business thing, making uh, yeah, make making his way in industry. And yeah, we, we also he's an entrepreneur. He's got like his own business. He bought some tent company or something. I think he bought like a tent company out of bankruptcy and then he began supplying GP mediums to the army or something. And I think that's what I, I think that's the story I recall. I saw him at AUSA a few years ago. Yeah. Uh, so that spring break, Mark Beach and I were rowing, uh, were rowing crew down at, uh, Fort Belvoir, which I guess at the time was still the home of the engineers. But uh, Mark's gone on to a very successful career as a sports writer. Yeah, he's got he, the, the one book. Yeah, yeah. What, yeah. What's the name of his book? When when uh, when Saturdays mattered most. Uh, is that that was about is about the NFL or no about college football? It's a, it's, a, it's about the last undefeated Army football school uh, year. Cool. Yeah, it's a, it's a neat story, but it really is about that transition when they make the transition from being Saturdays and college football to being Sundays and and the pros. But it, but it's a, it's a nice book. So we don't have too many people on the line, but we do. I do see that Lisa Woodman Rumbles is on the line. So hey, Lisa, how are you? Another another uh, family, uh, West Point family. So Lisa and Todd Rumbles, uh, um, are classmates. I think. I think Lisa might have been D one or something, and t- maybe Todd was D one. Remember one one of the, one of those two were in my battalion when I was uh, when I was when I was at, at the joint, and they have a I think they have yeah. a daughter who's like going to Merchant Marine Academy or something. If I remember seeing her correctly, so um, another proud another proud uh, West Point family besides the Halls and the Wests and and uh, and others. 
So what else do we forget well, to talk and, about? And I guess, yeah, I guess the, the big the big thing is that if Jamie asks anybody to do this, you should feel uh, like it's it's easy to do it. We did a pre discussion on some ideas, and um, there was just so many things we wanted to talk about. We had the we had the Ranger story about Matt Morn getting recycled into my platoon at the end of uh, Benning phase. Right, he was all we, pissed we're off. Talk a little bit. He was like, "Motherfucker!" Like, yeah. well, here I am with the F word again. He was like, "I got recycled this stuff," and he ended up. <laughs> Getting recycled into a class with with all of his buddies from West Point, right? Yeah, with with a bunch of us from uh, from West Point. So at least you got the uh, the f bombs into the alibi fire. Mm, yeah, the my, my my kids will make fun of me again for for being a potty mouth. Yeah. Um, <laughs> you know it, it, the um, we had we had talked a little bit about um, deployments and how. When you when you have people that were in the army for a shorter period of time, and those of us have been in the army for a while, we tend to get confused on where we know people from. And, right. Um, yeah. yeah like uh, Vic and Vince Lindermeyer are two that I've worked with quite a bit, and I worked with Vic a lot when he was down at CENTCOM. And it, it's amazing. I don't. I don't know that I ever really could have told them apart when we were at West Point, but definitely after I got a chance to. To meet them uh, after West Point, you get to really know, uh, you know who they are. And like, I don't think Andy Rendon and I ever worked together. Turtle. Uh, until we got, until we got there as uh, you know in the same in the same unit deployed. So I I never pronounce his name Rendon. I always said Rendon, but that's you know Andy like, as in Turtle. Like, they call him Turtle, right? F A yeah. guy, Turtle. Yeah, that's right. Yeah. Yeah. So he was down at Johnny Braga's uh, promotion ceremony, and we were uh, having a good, great time there. Johnny Braga brought out this thing of uh, of whiskey that some Iraqi general gave him, and it was like forty eight year old whiskey. It was so good, and we were drinking. To he and Andy was Andy was telling some stories from Andy's done some stuff. Andy's been all over the place, but you know. Speaking of guys that have done stuff, right? One of the one of our classmates who's really, I mean, shouldered way more than his share of, of the task has been Kenny Mintz, and so Kenny was an infantry battalion commander. He's a brigade commander. He's you know deployed a bunch of times. He's he's been in some some tough situations, and um, but Kenny Kenny mentioned to me, he said, you know, all you guys that got out, like. You remember things. You remember who's who and who's who did this and who did that. But like for me, it's all a big blur. Like like I I don't like to to your point. You said you don't remember like how you know somebody because you you have all these other potential areas where you knew them from. So maybe some of the some of the guys like me, the quitters, the guys that get out early, we're the ones that can kind of like connect the dots for you guys that have been there doing it for so long. And you know we, we did talk about. Uh you know, early in the the talk, we were we were talking about the Roonies, and uh, if you talk about Tony DeBoom, there's another complete badass from our class. Boomer, he was with my all company. He's done in the yeah, with the, all he's done in the triathlon world, just amazing. Yeah, Boomer was my Boomer's an F one guy, and uh, he's he's got three kids. His wife is also a triathlete, and his brother's a triathlete. His brother won the triathlon, the uh, Kona. He won it twice. Tim DeBoom won it twice. So. Yeah. Crazy, too. Another. 
Tony DeBoom story is that like that guy's got like super high cholesterol. I remember as a cadet, like they put him on like all kinds of cholesterol meds. Like even like even though he's in this amazing shape, like his DNA is just like it makes him produce like big time cholesterol. And so he was on cholesterol meds. And back this was before statins were around. So this, this whatever the drug was, I think would make you really have a lot of gas. So he would like just fire up a room like you wouldn't believe so as i recall i i, I heard that story from uh, jim montgomery i think i remember him telling that story so but anyway so what else did we miss Any, anything else we so we, we got adam yeah adam Mueller's the guy that was he's the one who created the idea to drop that class in computer science adam, yeah so i i think yeah i think we 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 touched a few of the of the save rounds so i think that yeah. Um, All right, good. But anyway, thanks. This was fun to do, and I appreciate the time, Jamie. Yeah, it was great. It was great, and hopefully, you know, I'll continue to improve upon my podcasting capabilities and make sure that I ask the right questions along the way. So, Class of 91, uh, duty shall be done. Thank you, everybody, who joined us tonight, and this will be available for replay tomorrow on Podbean and also uh, on Facebook. It'll be replayable after about 15 minutes tonight. Andy, thank you so much. Uh, it's been an honor to talk to you tonight, and thank you for all that you're doing. I'm grateful for your service and your family's service and sacrifices. Uh, we're all just awed by all that you're doing. So thank you so much, and duty shall be done. Thank you for joining us on this edition of the Duty Shall Be Done Old Grad Podcast. Please check back on this Facebook page for information about featured guests and upcoming episodes of the Duty Shall Be Done Old Grad Podcast.